0: Good morning, it is Matt Weaver with BibleTruthProject.com here with another episode, and today I'm going to be discussing Law and Covenants. Now, one of the things that we face in the church world today, or personally, is often the questions as is, is that's the Old Testament, we live in the New Testament. And I know I might have spoken about some of this on other episodes. However, I haven't really done anything extensively in this whole thing, and I want to Uh, Discuss this whole situation, this whole understanding of of the law and the covenant. So, we're going to begin in Galatians 3. And just before I'll read the passage, I just want to say a little bit about the Galatians. Now, the Galatians, it's a short word for Gaul, Asians, okay? Gaul, Asians, or the Gaul nation. And Gaul was German. So these were Germans living in uh, the Roman Empire, not necessarily in Germany, but Roman Empire. And the forefathers uh, would have been my forefathers I'm from German, Swiss uh, ancestry, Western Europe. And, and, and even at this time, they were very much, they were barbaric, even to the Romans, they were considered barbarians and heathen. But in, in Galatians 3, it says this. O foolish Galatians who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you this only what i learn of you received ye the spirit by the works of law or by the hearing of faith so here's this ultimate question did you receive the spirit the holy spirit okay by the works of the law or the hearing of faith Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, okay, the Holy Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? As Abraham believed God and it was accounted him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with the faithful Abraham." For as many as are of the works of the law are under the, are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law, and do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant, yet it if yet confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereunto. Now Abraham and his seed were the promises made. So the promises were given to the children of Abraham. And he saith not, and to the seeds, but as many as of many, but as one, and thy seed which is Christ. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more the promise, but God gave it by promise wherefore when serveth the law it was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and it was ordained by angels in the hand of the mediator now a mediator is not a mediator of one but god is one is the law then against the promises of god no it's not For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, fairly righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded, all under sin, that the promise of faith to Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto the Messiah, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put him on, or have put on Messiah, or have become as the Messiah, if you will, put him on. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male or female, for ye are all one in uh, the Messiah Yeshua. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. So here's a great chapter, and Paul has many chapters like this in the Bible. But this is one of those chapters where a lot of people will, you know, basically throw the law under the bus. And rightfully, to a degree, yes, that's true. But there's one key word here that I am going to say that is the problem why it's why people in ministry my my dad's been a pastor for 30 plus years. I've seen all sorts of things happen and I understand how he's reacted and his kind heart has kept him uh, many times from saying things he really should have said to people. but here is the big one right here. it is the Holy Spirit. See, if you if you live in the spiritual sense, if you live pre Pentecost, you do not have the Holy Spirit in how would you say it? I have to say this gently because a lot of a lot of people believe when you when you're born again you receive the Holy Spirit. You don't receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you're born again unless unless it all happens at once, which it can. Um, but generally speaking, that's not the case. How do I know this? Because the evidence is not there. The evidence of the Holy Spirit is power, and it changes a man as to that degree. But, I mean, I'm not judging. How would I say this? I'm not judging someone's personal experience if you feel you've received this. I'm just, this is an observation I have made. Many people who claim to be full of the Spirit of God are wolves, they are people who tear people apart. They are full of evil and they absolutely do not see it. And I say that with fear, because it is is it is I have seen the treachery done in the name of the Holy Spirit, and it's really it's a shame. But I want to bring that attention to this very point. It's the Holy Spirit, the true receiving of the Holy Spirit. That sets you free from the law. Why does it set you free from the law? It is a principle based transformation. Yes, you know, we are now Christ, but it's because you have put on the Messiah. It's because you have uh, exchanged, if I can say it this way, one life for another, or one garment for another, or you have become a new creation. And there's a difference between the two. If you look at, in the story of Acts, in, in Acts 1, between the, the two, uh, between the transition of Pentecost, the Pentecost was absolutely vital for the apostles to experience because they would have never entered into what we know as the new covenant had that not happened. It's absolutely vital. The Bible gives us a very clear answer. Uh, In my background, many people put on importance on being born again. Born again is the most important thing that you can do. And being born again is one of the things Jesus said. But he also says in that same passage, just a little bit down a little bit further, that you must be born of water and spirit to enter the kingdom. You'll only see the kingdom if you're born again, but you won't enter it until you're born of water and spirit. So there is a new birth experience, but it's almost like there's there's not a uh, your spiritual life has not come to fulfillment until you're born of water and spirit. Now, what does that mean? I believe it's born of baptism because baptism is also a symbol of death when you identify with Christ in baptism, which is what it is. You are identifying with His. Death, burial, and resurrection. That is what baptism represents. But it's also more than that, in that you are now putting on, you are committing yourself to be a disciple of Yeshua. You have given yourself to that. That was the, even in the biblical times, Jewish times, that's what they did. They would be baptized as a sign that they are now part of whatever they're following. It could have been John the Baptist. If they agree with his teaching, they were repent. They repented of their ways and they were baptized as a symbol that they have made a decision they are not going to go uh, the same way they did before. So this is, it's a very important thing in even Jewish history. Um, from that standpoint, they call it something else. They call it mikvah, but it's the same principle. And it is in what the Bible refers to as the doctrine of baptisms. Now, that's a rabbit trail. We're not going to go down, but Coming back to, I believe that's what being born of water is about. But you must be born of water and the spirit. So you have to be spiritually born as well. So you have, there's a born again experience. There's a born of water experience. And there's a born of spirit experience. How does this work? And I have not found anyone... Who can give me a good answer? And so I'm simply doing my best and my understanding. I might be wrong. I'm open to it. But mo- the way I understand this verse and what it means, being born of spirit is the is the f- conclusion of the conversion experience from being uh, an old carnal man under the law to being the spiritual man uh, of whom the spirit is. Uh, the guide, or the inspiration, or being full of the Spirit. And the difference is, uh, of course, you have to follow the conditions God says. First, he says, you must repent. Now, this command was given right after they experienced their own Pentecost outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says, Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So this promise was made by Joel, the prophet, that in the last days he will pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. And we're just going to go there and we're going to read that. So we can understand uh, what he was saying here. It says it in Joel 28, for 2:28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. This is something groundbreaking that God is going to do. You have to remember Joel is one of the last uh, prophets to speak for Israel. Yes, there was a couple others, but it's an amazing, uh, amazing testament to what God's plan was. And Moses spake of a prophet. And this is where Jesus uh, said to the Pharisees and to the scribes, He said, look, if you would have believed Moses, you'd believe in me because he, he spoke of me.' And so think about this very thing God prophesied that he will pour out his spirit. Why is it so hard for Christians today to come to grips with that? They perhaps are not full of the spirit of God. I don't find it, I don't find me professing any weakness by saying, Lord, I need to be filled by your spirit every day. This is something that is not at once and now I have it type of a thing. It's something we must be filled with every day. We must be filled with the spirit of God all the time. It is an attitude in which I find the most effective people to all possess. And that is, we must be full of the spirit of God because the spirit can leave us. And we don't even know it. It happened to David. It happened to, to Saul. He wished not the Spirit had left him. I should rephrase that with David. Uh, he prayed that prayer, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Because he knew what happened to a man who the Holy Spirit would leave. And so it's a, a vital thing. And it is only that that sets us free from the law. It's not your born-again experience. It's not even your water baptism. It is the Spirit of God that sets you free. How do I know this? In Romans 8.2, it says, For the law of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, capital, the Holy Spirit, the law of the Holy Spirit of life in the Messiah Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Okay, so there's two laws that God has here. He has a set of laws called the Mosaic Law. And then he has a new law that is said is the law of the spirit of life in the Messiah Jesus. So it's the spirit of life in the Messiah Jesus that is our law once we've received the Holy Spirit. Now, why, why is there a difference in this? Because the law was a schoolmaster. It did. It, it gave the Jewish people a uh, a covenant, something to to live by. Well, I shouldn't say a covenant. It gave them a law. Now, I honestly believe that God did not necessarily intend to give Israel all of his laws and precepts i think he just wanted to give them 10 and then he wanted to walk with them but if you remember at mount sinai they refused to go further they said moses you go we're not going to we we can't take it and i think right at that point god realized that this people is is it's he will not be able to walk with them like this and so he he gave them laws that Moses gave them, how to deal with things in different situations. It was a law of the flesh and it always produced, uh, it always produced in violation, it always produced sin and death. And there were people who were blameless before the law. The Bible says that I know some Christians will say that, you know, no one ever kept the law. No, they, they, there were people and it was, it's written uh, even in the New Testament that there was, there was ones who, was, were blameless, also including Paul, said that I was blameless before the law. So there were people who were able to keep the law uh, and were blameless. Now, having said that, they probably did commit uh, a breach or a sin at some point with with something, but there was a sacrifice that could be made, an atonement, and you could be blameless again. So why do I say all this for that? Because I want to bring you back to the Holy Spirit. That is the key. That is the key. In all the travels I've done, in all the times of going to Israel, of all the Bible study I've done, years of study, I have not found one thing to be more powerful than the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. It was the most life-altering, life-changing thing I have ever experienced. And it was not, it's not a thing, how would you say it? There's some people think that it's a level that you attain. It's a spiritual high. It's not a spiritual high. It's not a level. It is power. It is power for the Christian life to work for you. Can I say it that way? We call it the Christian life. I call it the new covenant. The way the Bible says it. It's power for the new covenant to work If you do not have the spirit, the new covenant will will frustrate you because it doesn't work. And so we've come up with petty doctrines, things um, that liberate us from the limitations of not having the Holy Spirit. And, And a lot of people call that free grace and things like that. And I'm not I'm not wanting to cause a division by it, but I'm just saying it doesn't work that way. There there is a law under the new covenant. It is a law, it's the law of the spirit. And unless you live by the law of the Spirit, you are not free from the law of sin and death. Plain and simple. And the law of sin and death, it was God's law. It was God's condition of the children of Israel to walk with him. They realized that they cannot walk with him in their carnal state of being. And God knew this. And so God made, in his foreknowledge, he made a way for us now through the law of the Spirit to be free from the law of sin and death. See, we say in the New Testament, Jesus put away with that. We just believe in Jesus and it all goes away. That's not true. Romans 8 says it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus that makes us free from the law of sin and death. It's it's not, not the other stuff. It's the law of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, 3, we'll just keep reading because this is where he deals with this issue. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. In other words, he's saying we as humans are weak, so us in the flesh, it's very difficult for us to keep the law. We're, we're weak. But they that are after the Holy Spirit, the th- they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Again, we're just going to look at that. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Holy Spirit, the things of the Holy Spirit. For to be carnally minded or naturally minded is death. Because we naturally love breaking law. It's, it's, it's what makes us, it defines us. As humans, we drive down the road and it says 55, we go 60 because we can uh, the same thing happens with the law. Uh, our flesh does not want to does not want to follow it. We want to break it because it's it's. If there is no law, then there's no sin, and then there is no death by the law. The law brought sin and death to us. Before that, there was no transgression. Before that, it was just evil, and God could see the evil, but there was no law for them to see that it was sin and thus bring death. Hope that makes sense. And that's what it means. For to be carnally minded is death. To be naturally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is number one life. Number two, peace. It's life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Enmity is very much like enemy, but it's almost a stronger word. It really means it is. It resists God. It it is. Uh, it is. The polar opposite of God. The carnal mind, imagine that, is the polar opposite of God. It is against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Okay? This is our natural mind. It doesn't subject itself well. Neither indeed can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If you are in the flesh trying to please God, you can't. It does not work. But ye are not in the flesh, you are in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. If so be, if so be, here's here even Paul recognizes it, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Think of this. If so be that the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Now you, if you're not in the flesh but of the Spirit, uh, you will have life and peace. But if you are not, it will just be death and you'll be fighting God the whole way. If you think in your life that it seems that you are just fighting God, that everything you do seems to be fighting him and you have to fight and fight and fight, it might be that you do not have the Holy Spirit because it is important to note that even Paul says this, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, there's the key word, dwell And if Christ be in you, when I say Christ, I almost don't like to use the word because it, it means anointed one and Messiah. Uh, I, I don't mind Christ, but it has has a connotation in today's world that is different than, than the Messiah. And I want to declare that he is the Messiah. So I will use that word. And if Messiah be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit of life because of righteousness. If Messiah be is in you, is in you, then your natural man is not going to be active. It's going to be dead because of sin. Okay? But the spirit of life is, or the spirit is life because of righteousness. So your body is dead, but the spirit is alive. You will follow what the Holy Spirit tells you. There are times when your body resurrects, and then you are not living under the life of the Spirit. You can take that step at any moment. But the Spirit of life is how that works, because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him, same thing, but if the Holy Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Messiah from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Holy Spirit that dwells in you. The important thing is dwelling in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For we, we, if we live after the flesh, you will die. But if you through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Mortify means put to death the deeds of the body. So if you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It doesn't say for as many as have the spirit of God. It says for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba, which means dad. It's basically as we would say, dad or papa or daddy. Abba. In Israel, little kids run around saying, Abba, 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 you know, because that's how they say dad. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Holy Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with the Messiah. If so be that we suffer with him. That we may also be glorified together. So listen. This is a key thing. So, there's there, Paul is using tremendous wisdom when he writes this because he realizes that not everyone has the spirit of God. It says, "If so be the spirit dwell in you," and then he says, "Now you will also uh, be joined heirs with Christ if so be that you suffer." Why? Because most every time, every instance I know of men who have been full of the spirit of God have have faced suffering. If you suffer with him, then you'll be glorified with him. I mean, it's, 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 it makes total sense why he wrote this. So I want you to understand that what sets you free from the law... Now, I want you to understand, this is not just any law. This is God's law. And Jesus said he will not do away with the law. Not one. Not one little jot. Not one little tittle of the law will pass until all things be fulfilled. It's not been fulfilled by way of passing. It has been fulfilled through the law of the Spirit of life in Messiah Jesus. Your faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit in you sets you free from the law of sin and death. That, my friends, is the key to the new covenant, uh, new covenant living. There's a word used today in New Testament, Old Testament. It's a word that divides the book. Many people discard the old because they do not feel that it is necessary in our day and time to use it. I just want to say this very briefly. It's only been in it was only it was several hundred years after the new the early church was is when the books were divided because in the early church it was used uh, the the can I, can I say it the Jewish Bible the first testament or the first co- the book of the covenants is I think what I would call it the testament means a will so it's God's first will and His renewed will in the New Testament. Uh, it's, it's really one book, and it's not a separate book. It all speaks of the same uh, story, the people of faith, starting from Abraham to us. We are If we are the fulfillment of Abraham, I'll throw this out. If we are the fulfillment of Abraham, we better act like it. If we are the promised people that God has spent all eternity to come around to create, we better act like it. If we are better than the Pharisees and the scribes, we better act like it. Because our promise, the promises that we've been given, the covenant we've been giving is all better. It is better than what was. It is, it is higher than what was. And it fulfills what was. If so be that the Holy Spirit dwell in you. And so today I'm going to ask you the question, does the Holy Spirit dwell in you? The Holy Spirit dwelling in us is the only secret that we have. Now, I know. I say You. And the reason I said is because it's in the Bible, but I'm including myself in this whole picture. I, I'm reminded about that all the time. I must be filled with the Holy Spirit. If I am not filled with the Holy Spirit, then I can very easily rely on my carnal mind that needs to be put to death, that needs not think and needs not do that. Because if it, if it does, if it comes back to life, what happens? I die. I die spiritually. And eventually that, that brings a physical death too. But if I allow the Holy Spirit to live within me and to fill me, then I live and my spiritual life is alive. We need to be aware of how this principle works. And look, natu- from a natural mind standpoint, this is a tremendously uh Uncomprehensible concept. You don't understand how this works and you're not going to figure it out. All I can tell you is that you need the Spirit of God to understand what this means. It's a spiritual thing. Now, one of the great pitfalls that has happened because of the mindset of the church for so many years, when I say the church, it's the universal, including the Orthodox and Catholics, is because because God brought us another covenant or which he promised and he prophesied in the old covenants. Okay. In the Mosaic covenant through Jeremiah, he prophesied there was coming a day when God will make a new covenant. We live, we, that covenant is now available. So we live in this new covenant. The same word is also used for renewed. So we can call it the new covenant or the renewed covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. We are Gentiles, and the reason we have faith is because the, the house of Judah for a time has rejected the message of the new covenant, but through our mercy they will again see the new covenant and what Jesus, our Messiah, Yeshua, has done for us. But I again come back to the secret is, is the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. This is what is lacking in everyone. A lot of believers that believe in Jesus, and that's okay. That's the first step. That's wonderful. Keep going. Baptism, second step. Wonderful. Keep going. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Derek Prince was very influential in my life. Uh, I, was, I did not know of him while he was I knew of him while he was alive. I didn't listen to him much as far as teaching-wise uh, when he was alive. My dad knew him, was friends with him, uh, at least to a limited, uh, limited degree. But Derek is, in his teaching, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is really what opened the door to me to the Holy Spirit. Uh, my dad, of course, believed it and preached it, and I saw it in action in him. But, but Derek's teaching uh, was simply because I was at work, and, and I was a painter, and I painted, and I, I could listen to uh, MP3s while I was painting. So I listened to his messages, or tapes even. I had a little tape player, and I would play his tapes and listened to it, and it was meat, and it was such a vital part of my uh, life at that point. And I listened to uh, him speak about the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit, and I knew that that was my answer. That's what I was missing. That's what I was lacking. That is what I needed. I came to that conclusion after a very prolonged fight with myself. When I Can I say it that way? I ran into a wall. Uh, a, a wall of self in which I realized that I am absolutely hopeless or powerless to fight against my flesh, and uh, that sounds bad. It really wasn't that bad, uh, if you want to say it that way. It was not I was committing some unbelievable sin stuff, but I recognized that my flesh and my carnal mind were ruling me, and I was being controlled by that, and it was producing ugly fruit, and people. Also uh, noticed it, and this concerned me. It really concerned me because I was—I wanted to serve the Lord. I had a tremendous heart to serve the Lord, but I was lacking the power to do it. I was—if—if, if, in other words, I was still subject to laws. I still wanted to, somebody to tell me one way or the other, and—and and I was subject to that, even though I did not know the law. That is what was causing my frustration. It was my carnal mind. And I recognized the only way, and Derek, through Derek's teaching, I recognized that I need to lay down my old man. I need complete surrender. That old man must die, and they have to go through that death process. So for several months, and I didn't know how, this is not something you can really explain, but there's a process where you go through a death experience, and the final death blow to the old man is made. And you are so surrendered and so dead, and you just want nothing but what God wants for you. You don't care. It's not about heaven. It's not about any of that. It's just about Jesus, who he is and what he has done for you. And at that point, then I asked the Lord to fill me with his Holy Spirit, in, uh, and, and, and he did and it was an unbelievably uh, moving, powerful experience. It was not something that was just a little women and it was over. It was an experience. Something happened dramatically for the whole day that has changed my life forever. It has changed the course of my feet. It has changed what I've done, the way I, the way I do things, the way I pray, the way I live, the way I walk. Everything that I do has changed because of that. Of that Holy Spirit experience. Now, because of that, uh, it does not mean now that I am okay. Now I have the Holy Spirit. Now we go. No, that's not at all what has happened. Okay. That's that's not how it works. I had to go through a process and I received, yes, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But now to walk it out, we must be full of the Spirit every day. There's many times I Resurrect, if I can say it this way, resurrect my old man and start thinking carnally again. And then there's a fight between the spiritual man and the old man until I put the old man to death again. And when I walk in the spirit, then I have life. Then I am made free from the law of sin and death. That is the secret to the new covenant life. We call it the Christian life, but it's the new covenant life. It's what God intended. He replaced the old with the new because this is better this fulfills the old this is what replaces it we can't look condescendingly at the old law and say yeah huh we're not we're not in that anymore we are in that unless that has been put to death in us in our carnal self okay and we have been filled with the spirit of life if you are full of the spirit then you don't live there anymore and if you're not full of the spirit then you are there that is what the Bible says, and that has been my experience in life, but it's exactly what the Bible says. I'll, I'll read this yet just to confirm this. Further down in Romans 8, uh, verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. It says, Sure as that itself, you will die if you live after the flesh. But if through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you do mortify or put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Holy Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Who? Yahweh. The sons of Yahweh. For you have not received the Spirit regular spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the Holy Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Daddy. That, my friends, is the secret to the new covenant. And that is what separates us, the new from the old. Is the old covenant useless and worthless? No, it was God's condition to man. But but through that covenant, we recognize we are not able to stand before God. We We can't in our natural self be righteous in his eyes. And only when we put our own self to death, when I say that, not physically, of course, I'm saying in a mortifying the deeds of the body, it's, it's, it's a little bit like Derek explained, it's a great analogy. He says, look, imagine yourself in a room. Something's dirty is on the TV, smoking a cigar, alcohol is around. Any fleshly lust desire you can imagine is in the room. And the, the and you're sitting on a chair and you're surrounded by all of this. The difference between mortifying the deeds of the body and living in the spirit is what, what happens? You're still in the room, but the man sitting in the chair is dead. He no longer looks at the fleshly things around him that wants to grab his attention. He is dead to it. He now lives by the spirit. And that is the thing that God was trying to get across to Israel in the law. Okay? I I hear these people ask some very unbelievable, uh, unbelievably stupendous questions that I just don't know where they get it from. When uh, things to do with, it's obvious they have problems. They have problems to even want to have a question like that. Uh, in the New Testament, it's not law like that because it's the law of the life of the Spirit. And it's if you struggle to know what to do in that sense, uh, from a sin standpoint, then you're not full of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit makes it very clear what sin is and what, what violation it is. And, I'll, and, I'll, and from that standpoint, the Holy Spirit's judgment is far more severe and far more effective than the law was in the Old Testament, because why? The Holy Spirit is the judger of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So now not only is it the actions of your flesh, it's the things you think, the intentions that you have that are judged by the Holy Spirit, and He will will immediately let you know when you have gone too far, in a word you said under the old law it was just the action so if you actually went out and you hit someone and you killed someone then you were then there was an issue or if you did something against your brother then there was an issue here you are judged for even a little intent okay and again like i say when i say you i'm including myself with that because it is all this is my this is what i've uh, experienced on a daily basis things that i want to think against a brother or something like that. God pricks my heart. Says Matt, "That was not right. That is what the Holy Spirit brings. That's the power He brings." And may we always uh, may we always walk in the Holy Spirit and seek to to uh, be full of the Spirit of God. God bless you. Until next time.